This is out of bounds. This is out of bounds. We're back. We had a week off. I was traveling. Mia's busy. We're all busy. It was a long, arduous trek to this point, but we are back here on your favorite spot for the weird, wild, and wacky in sports world. John Alba, Mia O'Brien on the Know Your News Network. What's going on, hot stuff? How you doing? Oh, not much. I think the last time that our uh, listeners heard from me, uh, the AC was not working in my house, and I'm happy to report that that has been rectified, and so I can now wear sweatshirts whenever I want in the 90-degree Florida heat. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but I guess to each their own, I suppose. not outside, John, but just, like, inside. I don't know if you've ever seen, like, the studio at 1010 especially. Like, it's kind of cold. I always have a sweatshirt on, so, like... That's how the TV studios are too down in here in Florida. TV so studios are generally pretty cold. Yeah, now my my house they can mimic that workplace. So they have happy. to be cold because because they're all cold blooded in news. Well, that too, but it's because of equipment more than anything else. And if you'd like to hear more stories about the cold bloodedness of news, you head on over to kynchat.com. You leave that super chat, we'll read it on air. Or you can simply just go on into the YouTube chat and leave us a super chat. We'll read your comment on air as we talk about the weird, wild, and wacky in the sports world. What's been going on with you over there uh, south of uh, all normalcy in Jacksonville? Yes, well said. Well said. Uh, although, you know, we like to consider ourselves blue ball, John Alba. Um, although I live in St. John's County. Um, no, things are good. Uh, obviously, we're gearing up for we'll post-NFL draft, which I believe the last time we spoke with our know your news out of bounds crew we were mocking drafts we were mocking drafts uh the draft has concluded so we have progressed into off-season workouts uh which fun facts otas is what they call them they do not stand though for off-season training activities they just they're just otas that's just what they call them hmm. yeah it's weird um but we progressed to that so we got the schedule this morning of uh when we're going to be on the field with the big cats and so uh so that's very nice. Speaking of big cats, babysat the T-Man, Terrence the cat this weekend, and uh, refreshed. It was actually my first weekend not traveling slash drafting, uh, John, in about a month. So mm. needed it to recharge the batteries, and I'm sure you are looking forward to doing the same this week. How did your mock draft pan out? I picked Anton Harrison in my very first mock draft, and that is who the Jaguars selected. Not only, not only did they select him as I predicted, they did indeed trade back to number 27 with the Buffalo Bills, as also first predicted in Mia's mock draft brought but to you by the Yas Method. But did you change your mock drafts? Yeah, and... you have to every week. Like, that's just, like, to provide uh, alternatives. So that's the whole point. It you're supposed is... to, uh, like, offer, like, different the whole projections. Sheet of integrity thing. I don't know, man. Well, because you're facing, like, the fact that, like, all right, so the Jaguars had three big needs. And I think I said this on the last program. Like, they had three big needs, right? Offensive line, edge rusher, and corner, although they didn't address the third. Um, one for each how one. do you address, right? So showcasing, right. like, here's different routes you could do. It's essentially saying, hey, you want to goosebumps, choose your own adventure? Here's kind of a primer okay. of, like, See, that's That's the analogy like. you needed to make. That I can get down with. Uh, we got some fun stuff to talk about, including our first topic. But before we get into that, of course, we must do an opening toast. Uh, what are you in- indulging in this week? Uh, so I am officially uh, within two months of the wedding that I am in on July 1. And so very strict diet during the week as much as I can. Um, but I was handed this lovely Corona Extra at one of the Standard golf outings uh, today. Yeah. Which uh, So we had two golf outings on the ag- agenda at the good old 1010 Superstation. Um, we had Tom Coughlin, Jay Fun um, Foundation's outing this morning. So I was over at TPC Sawgrass for that. Then headed down the road, other side of St. John's County, World Golf Village for the ALS uh, Ring of Honor event, supporting those living with ALS and ALS research. And I was given a Corona on my way out the door. And I said, I'm sorry, I have a four o'clock appointment. I can't drink this right now. But the door gift at said golf outing, John. I, I wish I had it with me. Um, it literally is a cooler backpack that's like three of my heads. And if those of you who are listening know I have a very large head, massive. And so I stuck this in there, still cool as it was when they handed it to me fresh out the fresh out the shelf. So here is, a, here is a cheers to all those good people doing good work for those in need in Northeast Florida and beyond. Okay, ASMR. There it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Tom Coughlin told me that I had a huge Adam's apple when I was 16. That was cool. Uh, I was going to. He sees me. He just shakes his head because he just can't believe I'm a real person. That's generally the reaction I have to. He literally said it to me this morning and I'm like, fly on the wall, TC. I'm just, I'm not here. I'm just taking pictures and videos. And he's just. I was going to toast. I was going to toast your sister getting engaged because you're going to be in another wedding soon. So toast to Kara O there. There we go. Okay. Yeah, uh, I I got the uh, the message from uh, our grandpa this morning, which mind you, I, I won't be Facebook friends with him. That's another story for another time. But I still got a Facebook message from him, even though it's not from one of your friends. And he wanted to talk about. So your sister got the ring, and I was just like, I'm not answering this right now. Oh, maybe there'll be kids in the future, but I know there is a kid in the current for Derek freaking Jeter. Number two, throw your twos up, retuspect. Because Derek Jeter, after having three girls, the prodigal son has been born. The 48-year-old announced the birth of his fourth kid, his first son, Caius Green Jeter. Kai for short. Mia O'Brien has the prodigal son been born for Major League Baseball. I'm moving, I'm moving over to this side of my home studio so you can see this. Do you see it, John? There it oh, is. Oh, my goodness. That was what I made as a student leadership consultant at Ithaca College. You had to make a nameplate. And in the same vein as Derek Jeter's retirement year in 2014. Oh, my goodness. Respect. Backwards B. And also, this is what my office looks like, if anyone has ever been wondering. And it's currently kind of a hot mess, but that's okay. Enough has the point. prodigal son been born? I got Derek Jeter from 1998 behind me. I just want to give a shout out to Derek Jeter. Um, if you don't succeed, if you don't at first succeed, try, try again. This man clearly wanted a son. His wife seemed to be on board and they just kept trying until they got one. And I applaud them um, for just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Um, because, you know, sometimes you end up like my boy Brad Meester, uh, former Pro Bowl center for the Jaguars, who has six daughters and just kept trying and just kept getting girls. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm glad it worked out for them. Um, is he the prodigal son? Yeah. Uh, I wasn't that big into uh, Let me ask you this. Hannah Jeter. That is mm-hmm. Hannah, right? Hannah, yes. Were you into, like, because she's like our age. Yes. Were you, like, I know, I know she's hot. But, like, when he <laughs> first found her, like, I just was like, oh, dumb supermodel. Like, very much his type. Watching the captain mm-hmm. last summer, she's great. I so love her, except I, mean, I feel I, bad she's had to be pregnant most of the last, like, seven years. I think to be able to handle everything G-Tarian, you have to be pretty strong in the backbone more than anything else. And it's pretty wild, considering this is a guy who lived in the private life for so long, so long, had, if he had a girlfriend, you rarely knew it, unless it was, like, a mega star like Mariah Carey, and... Even then, there was no talk about kids. There's no talk about anything until he retires. And then all of a sudden, bam, married, bam, kids, 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 one, two, three, four. And now imagine growing up the son of Derek Jeter. The pressure that will come with that, Mio O'Brien. We could be looking into the future here. 20 years, 2043, where Kai Jeter is selected in the first round. Of the Major League Baseball draft. Who knows how many rounds there will be at that point. They'll maybe cut them down to two rounds at that point. And Derek Derek Jeter's son, Kai, is selected by the New York Yankees to be the shortstop of the future. Can you see it in the stars? I can because I'm looking at our rundown, John. And um, number five on our rundown is Bronny James uh, going to USC and also being ESPN's projected number 10 overall pick in the 2024 NBA draft. So, yes, I can, in fact, see that reality because we are living in it in different realms. Um, Additionally, we are seeing in Major League Baseball, beyond Vlad Guerrero Jr., such a rise in Mm -hmm. players, sons, now ascending to stardom. Biggio, Bichette. The words out of my mouth with Biggio. That was going to be my first one, Bichette as well. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see if uh, Kai Jeter can get the ja- uh, the Jaguars, get the Yankees out of their slump in 2048 uh, because they probably still will uh, be unable to generate any sort of offense um, 
Buy the league stuff. will have finally caught up to the New York Yankees by 2048. No one maybe, will be hitting home runs. Maybe John Carlos Stanton will be healthy by then. Who's to say? I don't know. Right. Maybe maybe Carlos Rodon will have pitched a game by that point. Did you know he has chronic back issues? Oh, his back's been barking. Woof, woof. That's what chronic. I've been told. But he got all told. that money. Whatever. Uh, no, but kudos to Jeter. I'm, I'm glad it worked out. I didn't even know she was preggers. So also shout out to him. Anyone knew that. Yeah, keeping it under wraps. Um, so I also, as you make the prediction of him being the future shortstop of the New York Yankees, I do want to give some flowers to his nephew, who obviously was the small boy, the infamous hat tip during Derek Jeter's final season and his final game at Yankee Stadium. That um, baby's got to be like 11 years old now. No, he's like 14. He's like 13 or 14 now. What the hell? Yeah, he was all over the Captain documentary. Yeah, look it up. No, his- was nine years ago. So nine years ago. He was like two. So now he's probably like 11 or 12. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's... I think he's like 12 or 13. Ugh. Yeah, I know. I think he's like 12 or 13. So, and he's playing baseball according to Derek Jeter's really? sister's Instagram. Okay. So yeah, last I checked, I'm going to double check it right now, but yeah, yeah last, last I checked, I mean, could be. You know, that... yeah. I mean, look, Bruce Springsteen's got Jake Clemens playing sax. It's his nephew. Uh, it's well, it's not his nephew. It's Clemens Clemens nephew. So maybe the blood runs through the nephew. Who's to say? Hold on, I want. I'm gonna find right. this. You get that? Uh, I need to. I need to. I need to find this, and then we can progress to our next topic. Leave us what? your super chat, guys. Let us know. Uh, has Kai Jeter already punched his ticket to follow up future Hall of Fame shortstop Anthony Volpe at shortstop for the New York Yankees? We're gonna take this one step further. Um, his his nephew's little league team. They were the hot stove baseball champions of Long Island. Mm. They won all of Long Island. How old is he? And it looks like, I'm trying to figure out how old he is. Opening day. I can't, I mean, he looks like, look at this kid. So he's in the red. Oh, man. He looks like he's like 11 or 12 or 13. That's crazy. Yeah, he looks like that age. So, but yeah, he's playing Little League. Look at this. Man, maybe he's going to be a soccer player, though. Look at that. Hold on that this is the prodigal son Jalen yeah this is the prodigal son I guess we'll see but Mia over in the NBA uh, things are getting a little dicey yeah meanwhile while we're uh, all puppies and rainbows and uh, babies and kissing them and Major League Baseball uh, not so much in the NBA Uh, Suns owner Matt Ishbia Ishbia the former Michigan State walk-on turned multi-billionaire who just recently bought the Phoenix Suns says he does not want Denver Nuggets star and former MVP Nikola Jokic to be suspended or fined over their altercation Sunday night in game four of Phoenix's series with Denver in the Western Conference semifinals. Jokic was assessed a technical foul in the second quarter of game four when he tried to snatch the ball from Ishbia, who was sitting courtside, and he hit the Suns owner with an elbow. Ishbia then had the greatest flop of the season. Great win for the Suns last night. An amazing series so far, says Ishbia via Twitter. That should be and is the only story. Suspending or fining anyone over last night's incident would not be right. A lot of respect for Jokic. Excited for game five. Go Suns. Jokic said Ishbia was a fan. He didn't know it was the Suns owner. Players have to be protected. John, where do you stand? Well, it sounds like he's not going to be suspended. Sounds like there might be a fine coming here. But I I totally understand where Jokic is coming from. I think we undervalue player protection, regardless of whether your fan is the owner of a team. I do think we need to protect the players, their safety, number one, but also their credibility. You know, they are very vulnerable. I know people are going to listen to us and they're going to be like, oh, what are you taking the sides of these guys? They're very vulnerable being out it's there. It's not like they have pads or anything. Like they're, right. they're them. Right, they're very vulnerable. He's him, they're them. Exactly, they're very vulnerable out there. And I think that regardless of whoever the fan that you crash into is, you know, that fan could just take a whack at a player. You know, they could throw a drink at them. Remember that Red Sox game in 07 when someone threw a pizza? Like uh, that? Remember like, the malice at the palace? Well, I mean, I was going to take it to the extreme. But yeah, so I, I think it's very important that you need to make sure that the players are not put in a position where they can get taken advantage of. And I don't think it's on Jokic to know that, Hey, that's the owner of the team. Now, does it add 
total other element to the budding rivalry here? Sure, it does, of course. And does it even further it that Jokic is a perennial MVP in this league? Absolutely, it certainly does. I'm not faulting him, though, and and I'm glad that all the Suns upper brass, it seems, are taking the they're taking the high road on this. And I think that's the right way to do it. Here's what's interesting to me. If this wasn't Manishpia, if it was just a random fan, wouldn't they not have escorted that fan out of the building? Mm -hmm. And they would have said the fan instigated it. Absolutely. And I think it also, you got to tip your hat to Suns management too, because if they were to have pushed for a suspension on Jokic, they probably would have been successful, truthfully, because we know owners have so much power in these sports leagues. And that would have devalued this series, which, as you said, has been a great series. It would have devalued this series. You're taking one of the best players in the game off TV. That's bad for the league all the way around. Yes, correct. Um, although I do think that maybe you would have created a sense of retaliation that could have obviously spiraled out of control um, and the Nuggets could have lashed out at it and then we could have had repercussions down the road. And so I credit the Suns because instead we're just going to get, you know, may the best man win on the basketball court, not on the courtside seats, which you is a good thing for was, everyone. Did you believe that it was a flop? Yes, thousand percent. Thousand percent a flop, and that's where uh, maybe that's why the Suns were like, "Yeah, we're not going to press this anymore because he kind of made a fool of himself." No, I I know it doesn't do well. So, and that's the other thing is he had the ball. Like that's the other thing. Like if you're a fan and you're like refusing to give the ball, give it to to a player, (laughs) right? Like, what do you think's going to happen? like Borat you'll never get this you'll never get this (laughs) right exactly and especially I mean it's only made funnier by the fact that Matt Ishbia was a walk-on on on Michigan State's 2000 national championship team and that's what literally makes it because it it was like that's who he is and so that's why it's made even funnier yeah if Michael Jordan did this what would people say he was holding so he could call a timeout but I I, what I like about it too is that you know the holding of the ball element of it if he were a normal fan, you'd be like, that fan wants to keep the ball, right? Like that, that fan wants to hold on to that souvenir. And, and I just, there's some silly element about all of this where the owner, and first off, I, give Ishbia credit, by the way. There's a lot of owners. I know there's a few that aren't like, you know, Mark Cuban and stuff, but there's a lot of owners who would prefer to sit up in that owner's box rather than right there on the court in a rabid playoff atmosphere. I got to give Ishbia some credit on that. Yeah, well, he's young and spire, and maybe like Michael Jordan, he still thinks he could play at age fifty something. Maybe he could play. I'm not. I'm not taking bets against Jokic. How do you feel about Embiid winning MVP? I'm okay with it. Um, you know, I think that if the Celtics are to win that playoff series, I'm sure there will be people who say, like, yeah, he's a great player during the regular season, but he falls too much. He's always hurt, and he can't actually deliver his team to where they ultimately want to go. Um. And that's okay because I think with the way that that roster is constructed currently, um, unless a um, James Harden bomb is dropped, um, like your Embiid is your only source of offense. I think until Tyrese Maxey continues to develop as a player, or until they get a bona fide number three, um, you know, Tobias Harris is a good player, but I think he kind of disappears. And when Embiid or Harden disappear, then it's game over. Well, and Harden, I love Harden. my boy George Niang, but, you know, he's a sixth man at best. Harden's been pretty damn good in that series. He right, but when eight, he's off, when he eight. had 12 and 11 points, they lost. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, let's keep it rolling here, Mia. Let's get back to nepotism. Yay! <laughs> we're talking. LeBron James Jr., we're the artist also Bronny. known. What's that? I said we're talking Bronny, man. Yeah. I mean, this Le- guy, listen, listen, listen here, okay? I want you to look at Bronny's face. And first off just see that is a man right there i mean he looks like his father right like he yes. looks exactly like Smaller, his but yes he's bound for usc lebron's son made his commitment official this week he's headed to the galen center to play for the trojans staying in socal much like his father now we know lebron perpetually connected to what could have been at ohio state whether you want to believe it from a basketball perspective also duke for what it's worth whether you want to believe it from a basketball also North Carolina and Kansas and like eight other programs and Kentucky. Well, there were talks. He was going to play football at Ohio state. Even at one point, he's going to be a wide out. 
We know that didn't happen back then. You could just go straight from high school directly to the NBA. Now you have to do at least one year still. Or Bronny could have gone to the G League Unite. Instead, he opts for USC. Uh, Name brand-wise, this is one of the biggest commitments USC basketball has ever gotten. Uh, First off, what do you think of the commitment going to USC? And second off, did the Buckeyes, Ohio State, drop the ball again on someone from the James family? Uh, 100% on the front of Ohio State. Let's get that one out of the way. Um, Second, at least from what's been reported, what LeBron said, what his wife Savannah have said, um, I'm actually like touched by how this recruitment process went, um, that Bronny is your traditional high school senior who like waited until the first week of May to make his college decision. He was a late bloomer to begin with. This is a kid who started out with all the expectations in the world, going to Sierra Canyon high school as a freshman, um, kind of dipped off a little bit just because everybody else hit their growth spurt and he didn't. Yeah, puberty um, was late for him. <laughs> right. Which is okay. And I think yeah. that if anything, Ronnie James is like helping normalize, like, Hey, you don't have to commit as a 14 year old. Like, it's okay. Like, let your game develop, go on your visits, see different things. And also you're probably in a better headspace to make that sort of decision when you're in spring of your senior year, than you are in spring of your sophomore year. I don't know about you, John, but if I have had to make my college decision as a sophomore in high school, I would not have ended up at at Ithaca college and I would not have taken the road that I currently am on. Um, And so I think it's actually a really good thing. And, but from what Savannah posted too, it seems like it wasn't like they forced him to go to Ohio State. They didn't force him to stay home at USC. He evaluated things. This is Sierra Canyon's second big commit of the or excuse me. Sierra Canyon's star girls player is also committed to USC, which that's a program on the rise as well on the women's side. And so I think that, you know, he did his homework. He talked to kids at the school. He probably talked to, if I had to guess, Natalia Bryant, the daughter of the late Kobe Bryant. Now, she obviously her family lives in L.A. and Hollywood, and she's still able to see them, but she's still able to, you know, do her modeling career. But she's also she has friends. She's in a sorority, I believe. So you're able to kind of have the best of both worlds. And so I applaud the kid because I think he went about it absolutely the right way. But, yeah, if you're Ohio State, you had 18 years to make this happen and (laughs) you dropped the bag. And so uh, or excuse me, you dropped the ball. You did not drop the bag. You should have dropped the bag, although I don't think it would have made much of a difference because the kid already has money. He already has NIL deals as a high schooler. And so you better get a jump start on Bryce right now. I think it's interesting that we're talking about Bronny, who, as you said, hit his growth spurt a little late. Not that long ago, the projections were if this guy even goes to the NBA, he's like a second rounder at best. And now that has changed a lot just over the course of the last year of conversation. And there's also the hanging element, right, that LeBron has said he wants to play at least one season with Bronny wherever he gets drafted. So no pressure to a team that, might not need an aging superstar a couple of years from now, but uh, you're going to have to find a way to make that cap space happen because if you're drafting Bronny, there's a good chance that with him, you're going to get LeBron James. And listen, that's not a bad problem to have, right? Like even LeBron, when he's 40, will still probably be a contributor enough to the point where he's going to draw quite a few fans to the arena wherever he ends up. I'm I mean, telling it's... you, right? Are you ready for this? Yeah, go for it. I want you right now to go over at NBA.com. I want you to pre-order from the NBA store. Your dual matching Orlando Magic James jerseys. Wow. You really think they're going to be picking that high, though, next year? Just wait for it. Fascinating. Well, here's another thing I would throw out there, John. Like, at the rate LeBron's playing... Bronny could play four years of college ball or three years of college ball. Yeah, that ain't happening. <laughs> and LeBron, I know, I know it's a, listen, I'm, tr- I'm just saying if it wasn't to pan out or if heaven forbid he was sure. to get injured, he could play two or three years of college ball and LeBron mm-hmm. could still be performing at his peak mm-hmm. and they could still team up. I like USC as a spot for him. I think he'll stand out at USC. Uh, have you ever been to the campus of USC? Yes, I it's have. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Beautiful campus. The Galen right. Center is a great building. They're ascending. They got Isaiah Collier. They they've mm-hmm. got a lot, a pretty star studded recruiting class. Um, and and I think the other thing too that people forget is again, as much as you joked off the top that like Bronny looks like LeBron, he doesn't play the same position as LeBron. Nope. And I think people really struggle with that because the kid is so athletic and he jumps out of the gym and he can dunk and this that and the other that people assumed oh well he's LeBron, and it's like no he's a point guard. 
Like he's a big, bigger point guard. And he can play the two a little bit, but he's a guard first and foremost. And so as soon as you embrace that and you understand he's a facilitator first, and then he can also dunk, like the better off you are. And that's where he doesn't have to live in his father's shadow. He can create his own lane. All right, Mia, let's keep moving. I know you can't wait to talk about this one. Yeah, the funny part is, is I thought I was going to introduce the Bronny segment because I lost track of time and place. And then I went, wait a second. Number six, because I have the evens tonight on the agenda. That means I get to talk about Jim Ursay. Ah, yes. The Colts owner wants to make it clear. I love this story so much. That Andrew Luck, who retired in 2019, but is still technically on the Colts reserve retired list, is off limits. After learning the availability of Luck was the subject of an inquiry last year by the Washington Commanders, because somehow he didn't know about that, Ursay took to social media Sunday nights to warn teams about any correspondence regarding the long-retired quarterback. Quote, if any NFL team attempted to contact Andrew Luck or any associate of him to play for their franchise, it would be a clear violation of the league's tampering policy. Thank you, Jim. John, how scared of Ursay should other teams be? <laughs> I want to, can I, can I interject real quick? You can answer your own question if you'd like to. Start your conspiracy music, folks. Because what team has a very controversial owner who's still their owner as of this writing? And there was only one owner, Jim Ursay, with the balls to call out that owner. Mm -hmm. Dan Snyder. Mm -hmm. That all also happened in the last year. Mm -hmm. Simultaneous to Andrew Luck and the commanders being a potential marriage. John. So, yeah. do we see, perhaps, that, why I mean, Jim, in addition there's... to just being a loose cannon, why Jim was not afraid to call out There's smoke Snyder. to the fire, for sure. There certainly is. I wonder, I mean, I think it's just because Luck retired so young. Is this just going to be something that happens for the next, like, three or four years still of people hoping that Andrew Luck comes back? Well, especially after the uh, the podcast, the tremendous podcast series that Zach Kiefer at the Athletic did, and after some of the profiles that ESPN the magazine has done about how he's still kind of figuring out what he wants to do with his life, and does he like football? Did he not love football? Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to continue, and I think anytime a team like, was it been four years now, twenty nineteen. Yeah, let's count the Colts quarterback since Andrew Luck. That's and one of my favorite quarterback. They just drafted a quarterback. Well, now they did, but that was after four years of Band-Aid fixes. Let's no, no, review. I'm, I'm saying let's let's relax here. Let's pump the brakes. Like, let's say Andrew Luck wants to come back out of nowhere. Then what does Jim Irsay do? Does he give well, up? That on is this his favorite sign. Does he give up on this Anthony Richardson project? Or no? Does so actually could be the best thing for Anthony Richardson, in my opinion, to have to sit for a couple of years and learn behind. Would he just get in front of him? Do they trade him? Like it it would, I mean, Gardner Minshew thinks he's starting in front of him right now. So, I mean, listen, I think every time you mentioned Gardner Minshew, no, I don't. Cause yeah, that's another story for another time. I don't though. Um, no, I, I think that honestly, the Gardner thing is fascinating and I can speak from, you know, being too close to the subject, um, because him and Anthony trained together here in Jacksonville and Gardner took that job with the Colts, knowing that he would quote, be competing to be a starter, except for the fact that when you draft quarterback in your first five picks, that kid is pretty much expected to start from the jump. And Anthony Richardson, I've known him since he was 17, 16 years old, nicest kid in the world. I think he has untapped potential. I think he's an athletic freak, but I thought his best potential landing spot in the NFL draft was with Seattle. Geno Smith, very team-friendly deal where it's very front-heavy. He's getting paid the bulk of it in the first two years. He could have sat behind Geno while Pete Carroll worked his magic behind the scenes and started molding the offense to Anthony Richardson, and then he takes over in year three. I understand people believe that's an antiquated model that only the uh, Green Bay Packers partake in, but I thought that would have been a great situation. So if Andrew Luck was to come out of retirement and say he wants to play football again, I think the Colts have to start him. No offense to Anthony Richardson, but I think that he, Andrew Luck is still so beloved in that city. He's still Andrew freaking Luck. He retired at the peak of his career. And if anything, I don't think if I'm Andrew Luck, I would come back out of retirement because that offensive line is awful. And yeah, I, I, that I was the whole reason you went into retirement. But I, I think 
there's probably a little smoke to this fire with what Jim Irsay is saying here. And I think they're probably, oh, I think the commanders absolutely place to call. And part of that, John is just because, and Tom Coughlin actually said it to us this morning in this league in 2023, if you don't have a quarterback, you are screwed in of the words course. of Michael Scott. I don't know. How about this? You try to develop one. Just a thought. Could happen. You also could do that. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have a quarterback, mm-hmm. if you think, well, I have an elite defense and a great running back, you are not going to succeed if you do not have a capable starter at the all-important position. You're not going to find a disagreement from me there, Mia. I just think that the Colts are like a reality show. And then, I mean, them, you know, keep in mind, I think there was a big consensus that if the Texans didn't go Will Levis, that they were going to go Will Levis, and then they didn't. And then we know how that created a steamroll and a snowball. Speaking of Will Levis, did you see that tweet from Jim Irsay? The one leading up to the draft? No. No. So after the first round, after they had selected Anthony Richardson and Will Levis was still on the board heading into night two, Jim Irsay literally tweeted, hey, Colts fans, what would you think? If we drafted Will Levis, we could have Steve Young to Dan Marino, right? Sounds great. Yeah. Again, he's the gift that keeps on giving. But you know what? He's the only one with the balls to get Dan Snyder out of office. And if it took this Andrew Luck potential request, like, so be it, that lit a fire under Jim, and he was the only one to speak out against Snyder, and suddenly everyone wanted him out. I suppose so. I know it's like holiday week for you, Mia. Tell us why. Um, yeah, schedule release. I honestly like don't get this, but whatever. I, um, I, I mean, yeah. I, I just, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. I just let me let me let me explain this, okay? I want to ask you because I know I know that there are few people I've ever met in my life that love football more than you, Mia O'Brien, as a sportscaster. I know you love football. Football to everything, right? Like that's that's the bread. Football is the bread and butter of your coverage. I mean, well, yeah, it's like the lifeblood that drives the dreams of this champion. But okay, right. honestly, my high school team won four games in four years, okay. so like, I, mean, I actually yeah, didn't really matter. grow up on football. But continue. Yeah, no, no, I know you didn't. Neither did I. I mean, we're it's part. We're, yeah, it's it's my pro- like. Listen, do I make a lot of money? Yes, doing football. Yes, not a lot, but I make the bulk of my money football related. Correct. Okay. So. The schedule yes. release is supposed to be happening on Thursday. Peter King reports that the league may not be ready in time for the scheduled premiere date and that there is a meeting today to try to handle all the chaos. I need to ask you, will you be okay if the league misses its mark on the yes. NFL schedule release? Will you be okay? Will I need to resuscitate you? You mean when they have to push it to next week? Yeah. Honestly, that would be better for my schedule. So I'm not complaining if we got to wait an extra week. Um, Why do we get so wrapped up in schedule releases? Like, are we that? Yeah, I agree. I think it's deprived of honestly, it's just an opportunity for the 32 social teams to flex and like think that they're cool. Honestly, like that's what this is about. And for the NFL network to have programming. That's literally all it is. They could just send out an email. This could have been solved in an email. But yeah, they used drama. They used to just be press releases. Not that long ago. And listen, I admire the NFL for that alone, where the NFL has found a way to make pretty much every single part of its league calendar an event. And and I will give them credit for that, where they have found a lot of success in doing that. Keep in mind, once upon a time, there was a thought that the NFL draft would never be an event. That it was just something that happened and you moved on. You couldn't take it on the road, even dating back seven years. I mean, they didn't think they could leave New York. Right. The thought of it's a thing. The thought of taking it on the road seemed unfathomable. To the NFL's credit, they found a way to take that on the road. You always find a way to make the first day of free agency a big deal. The new league calendar, a big deal. First day of OTAs, a big deal. First day of preseason workouts, a big deal. And then, as we know, opening day. But I think this is just asinine and ridiculous that people get so wrapped up about this. It doesn't happen in any other sport where everyone's waiting for this schedule drop. I understand there's fewer games in the NFL season. I think it's ridiculous, though. I do. I'm sorry. And I know my, I know my whole record on this show is like, oh, John's the guy that poo-poos everything fun. But, like, I don't, I'm sorry. Like, 
what is what is so no i pooed it off the top enigmatic i'm just saying i'm just gonna drop some scoops and some theories as to why i think it may not be ready um i think a lot of it andrew luck yes totally andrew luck uh no actually oliver luck uh europe um yeah not not actually related to oliver luck but european international games um i truly believe that that is part of the holdup john if you look back statistically and historically speaking it is usually one week out before the schedule release that the nfl uk and the international game schedule drops i went back and looked so that i would be prepared last week and it still didn't drop And so I have been told per sources that part of that is due to some negotiations among teams, specifically um, one such case of which I've heard there's a couple. um, The NFL really was hoping to take one of the AFC South games and move them to London as the Jaguars home game in London, um, simply because, I mean, no offense to Jacksonville, like, obviously, I know no one wants to lose a home game here. But if you're going to lose a home game, you've seen the Titans, the Colts, and the Texans like 18,000 times. So you can lose one of those games and you're not going to be upset. Moreover, as much as they're divisional games, I can tell you this. We really don't have a ton of fan support for those three games compared to when the Cowboys come to town, when the Niners come to town, when the Steelers come to town, when the the list goes on. And so I have been told per sources that the Tennessee Titans were not too fond of, number one, going to London – They didn't want to go. And number two, they didn't want to play the Jaguars in London, even though it would be the equivalent of just going to Jacksonville. Um, And so that was part of the holdup there. And so if that's a microcosm of the larger situation, then, yeah, I'm not surprised that this is happening. And um, I have rookie minicamp starting Friday, and I'm trying to budget where my film crews are going to be. And so I actually would prefer it gets moved to next Thursday because that'll make my life easier. Well, then I hope for your sake that it does. I just hope that everyone out there is okay if this does happen. And I also hope that you'll leave us a super chat, whether it's on YouTube or KYNchat.com. Leave it for us. We'll get your thought read on air. Let us know. How excited are you for the NFL schedule release? Let's keep cooking, Mia. we got a couple more topics. Let's head across the pond, Johnny. Let's go across the pond. I, and we're not, I don't know if you say that when it's Spain. I don't know if you only say that when it's London. Um, but yes, we are going to go to España, where the organizers of a women's running race apologized Monday after the winner was offered a food processor to take home, sparking accusations of sexism. The seven-kilometer Carrera de la Mujer women's race issued a statement on Twitter saying it hadn't considered the kitchen appliance donated by a sponsor would have sexist implications. Quote, We apologize, but we consider this a product with no sexist character and ideal for any athlete who wants to improve their nutritional habits. We regret if any woman felt offended. John, would you still take the food processor? Because I I would. I I was going to say, I'm I'm not a woman. If nothing else, I would take it and flip it on Facebook Marketplace. I'm not a woman, so I can't speak to the sexist implications of this. I don't care. It's a free food processor. (laughs) You know, me being a foodie and someone who loves to cook on the surface, I'm like, yeah, I'll take the food processor. But I also understand if you're completing a seven kilometer race and you're, you're kind of hoping much like any other race that exists out there, there's some sort of cash prize. And instead it's a food processor. Most races don't concert. have a cash prize though. Well, give me like a you get a medal and an orange like, and so a give banana. Me a give me, even if you win. There's not well, like, you, a yeah, I, I can't, I mean, you'll get a bid to like the I Boston think Marathon. I've never competed in a race, so I can't, I can't attest to this. You're not wrong. Uh, no, you got like a bid to the Boston Marathon or the New York City Marathon or maybe you get money. I don't, I don't know. I've never asked my like brother. Be some, I feel like there'd be <laughs> some monetary for winning a decent sized race. And especially if there's sponsors involved, but a food processor. I mean, it does make you think. Is it like a magic bullet or what are we talking? I don't know. I don't know who the sponsor was. I don't know the caliber of food processor. I mean, as a woman, Mia, would you be taken aback by that as the premier prize for a race? No, I wish it would. I would have wished it was an air fryer. (laughs) And I would not have taken offense because even if you didn't want it or you didn't have room for it, I would have flipped it on Facebook Marketplace and made money. That's a fair point. I don't know. I, I feel like training for a race, though, does take a lot out of you. Like, Yeah, but like I trained for a half marathon and I ran it and I reached my time, but I finished in like 200th place. And so I, I just got a medal. Participation medal. Yeah, Yeah, I got a medal. That was it. And like, but I felt good 
And so if I could get a food processor on top of it, great. <laughs> I won't say no to that. What are you using the food processor for? Uh, so got a magic bullet before the tonsillectomy. Um, so we're just going to use that as the analogy because I'm very curious what else a food processor would be. Um, in 2023. And so, uh, I was making some smoothies in there, uh, pretty good. Although, as you know, I'm not a huge fruit fan. And so I'm very curious what I will be using the magic bullet for. Cause I will like drink a smoothie. Like it's not like I'm opposed to that. Um, but it just wouldn't be my first thought. And so I think probably for like mixed beverages, um, will probably be or mixed drinks, mixed beverages. Well, yeah, mixed drinks down the line. Um, but yeah, no. And, uh, I think that the real purchase, if it, if it's any food processor, I have friends that have this food processor that also doubles as an ice cream machine. That would be a game changer. Uh, you know, man, I'm, I'm like making like a, I'm making like a pineapple mango habanero salsa. I'm making a chimichurri. I'm doing stuff like that with a food processor. I'm making a consomme for birria tacos with a food processor. I love a good That's what tacos. I'm using for that. I love some good birria tacos. I could go for those right now. Of course you could. Who doesn't love a good beer and taco? Although yeah. speaking, since you brought my sister's uh, engagement up, uh, would you like the backstory? Speaking well, of beer and tacos cuisine? at the wedding, I hope they do. Um, but no, I uh, so I got stuck in the rain on my bike ride. There was a five to ten percent chance of rain on Saturday, John, here in Northeast Florida, and it rained nonstop for two hours, which included while I was on my bike ride, and so tried to seek refuge for about thirty-five minutes under an overhang. Uh, of a business complex. And then I was like, you know what? I'm close to good old Sierra grill. Let me just push through for five minutes, get my burrito. And then I will wait out the storm there. And so during the five minutes in which I went from this overhang to Sierra grill, that is when on my AirPods, I hear FaceTime from Kara O'Brien on my British Siri. And of course it happened as I was soaking wet trying to go seek Mexican food. Very on brand, if nothing else. Did you get a food processor out of it? No, but maybe I will at the wedding. Maybe mm. she doesn't want one I of her you gifts. you should be getting her a food processor for the registry. No, I think she needs an air fryer. I don't think she has one yet. So. Oh, Kara, falling behind. We got one more topic here before we get to our beast of the week. We're going from food to drink, and that is your favorite wow. kind, the brew. And the brew yeah, crew. but not just the brew, the brewers. The brew crew specifically. They changed their mind. You see, there was this whole thing among MLB teams this year. A few teams we decided, talked about it, I think. A few teams decided that they were going to extend beer sales beyond the seventh inning at home games. That's always something that was a thing. Beer sales and alcohol sales end at the seventh inning. The brewers were among a handful of the teams that actually extended it into the eighth inning in response to the shorter games this season because of the pitch clock. Starting with their game tonight against the Dodgers, the Brewers are going back to their previous policy of shutting down beer cells after the seventh inning. They said that their decision to reverse course wasn't due to any issues with fan behavior. The fans are doing just fine with it. They can handle the extra inning. They simply discovered that sales of all concessions drop mildly in the late innings, and that it really just shouldn't even matter. So should the Brew keep the Brew even later in the games, Mia? Um, so I haven't been to Milwaukee in six years, so I hope this is still part of their game day policy, but I can't say for certain if it is. Um, when I went, they had a deal with 20 local restaurants and bars where as long as you bought a beer or a dinner item at that bar or a lunch item, I guess, um, they would bus you for free to Miller Park. Hmm. Amazing deal. Amazing deal. Like everyone should do that because obviously it encourages, you know, drinking responsibly and it encourages, you know, getting a little bit extra time after a quick game like we're seeing now in Major League Baseball to sober up a little bit. Um, so big fan of that. I hope they are still doing it. With that said, uh, there are plenty of folks that would rather get the cheap $2 happy hour pints at their local watering hole and then take the bus. And so by the time you hit the sixth or seventh inning, you're like, yeah, I got to work tomorrow. I'm going to hold off a little bit. So that is what I say. As much as I am encouraging this practice to be employed across all 30 Major League Baseball teams, um, that is where you may see people saying, nah, thanks, but no thanks, just because they know they either have to take the bus or drive home at the end of the game. Like, I don't know if you're sobering up all that much with that extra one inning, especially now that that extra inning takes so much less time to complete. I'll tell you what, I did a live show at the home of the Fresno Grizzlies last week. 
Yes, tell and, us about that, John. I want to hear more about it. It. Was, it was fun. We had a good time. It was a good crowd. They were super into it. But to promote the event, they brought me into the broadcast booth during the game, and I called some of the game with the play-by-play guy. Super fun. Like I'm all about that. Right? I get to return to my roots, doing some play-by-play and all that. Great. This was my first time doing any play-by-play for baseball since the advent of the pitch clock. And I could not believe baseball, which is like the ultimate conversational sport for a broadcaster. You would get two sentences out about a story and the inning was over. And you have a color commentator. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I was so thrown off by this. So I would imagine that, that there is a ripple effect to the rest of the game where you're talking about concession sales and you're talking about parking and you're talking about all these things that, there's so much less time to do things now at these games. You're losing 35 to 40 minutes of your expected game time, and that radically changes the pace. So it is fascinating that they're going to make this change. It's going to be significantly less time for people to drink, but I guess they found that it's just not worth it for them to keep it going and extra inning. I want to know if a month was a good enough sample size, because also we haven't really hit the midpoint of summer. Uh, it was still like 30 degrees in Milwaukee two weeks ago. So that also may have played a factor. So I'm curious if once the summertime hits, if, you know, they may have changed their minds. I uh, I was really blown away. Yeah, like, really, I, I don't envy baseball broadcasters now. It's just totally different. It's totally different. It has radically changed the way that they approach calling the game. Uh, really, really difficult. So I give a lot of credit to those play-by-play guys. Uh, let's get to our beast of the week, Mia. What is the most beastly thing you saw in the sports world this week we're gonna stay on the diamond for mine and you're gonna get upset about it and that is now former alabama head baseball coach brad yes uh in case you missed it brad bohannon the head baseball coach of alabama since 2017 i believe um reportedly was somehow involved in a bet that was placed at a sports book in ohio mind you The bet in said sportsbook in Ohio was placed on the Alabama LSU game. Uh, John, for what it's worth, there were multiple other sportsbooks, including, uh, I don't know, FanDuel, where zero bets nationally were placed on Alabama LSU. But mysteriously, this multi-thousand dollar bet comes in at the, wait for it, Great American Ballpark Sportsbook. Yes, the same Great American Ballpark where Pete Rose once played, the same Pete Rose, who is banned from the game for betting on the game. The irony, John. Um, Brad Bohannon has since been uh, terminated by the University of Alabama and athletic director Greg Byrne um, for reportedly whatever the involvement was with a former high school baseball coach that he worked with, with recruiting who placed this bet for him. Uh, Their starter, their ace was scratched about an hour or so before first pitch, a young rookie, not rookie, a sophomore who hadn't started a game since March 16th is inserted into the lineup. LSU wins eight, six. Now the question is, did the coach throw the game in order to make some extra moolah? Um, Yeah. That's a beastly move in all the wrong ways, but Ooh. I would like to give some credit to Greg Byrne and the athletic the athletic director at Alabama um, for doing what was right in this situation. And I think it was a beastly move by him to immediately terminate him because, wait for it, John, this morning, since we haven't had a reference yet and it's 648, um, the University of Iowa baseball team is now under investigation that four of their players could have potentially been betting on games throughout the course of this season. And now the Iowa Gaming Commission has gotten involved in said investigation. And so if nothing else, Greg Byrne, you're a beast for now inciting this latest witch hunt, although it probably is all for the better. Uh, drink because he said Iowa. Mm-hmm. Might be some of the week of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Man, a few weeks ago on the show, we had a conversation about cursed franchises. That is a cursed franchise. They're down 3 0 to the Florida Panthers. At least they haven't lost their baseball team like that other Canadian city on the Eastern yeah, Seaboard. That's true. But. It, it looked like this would be a team, 50-win team, that would have a lot of momentum coming into this, and they've just perpetually screwed the pooch year in and year out. And they like their draw against Florida. You know, Florida, it, it, here's the one thing about the Stanley Cup playoffs. Every year, year in and year out, you don't got to be the best team. You just got to be the hottest team. Which also, uh, in addition to that, you have to develop players and like Florida had a crazy ton of draft picks in the early 2010s. And now those players are finally reaching their prime 
And so we're seeing a byproduct of that. It's just like they, you know, I covered the draft, John, in 2013, real quick. Sorry to interrupt you. I think the Panthers of the three rounds of the the NHL draft are three, five. They had literally 30 picks. I wish I was kidding. And now they're seeing the fruits of their labor. Well, you just, you talk about a team that just shocked the Bruins, just shocked them. Let me tell you what a horrible sight that was, how they shocked them. And uh, I got so upset with the Boston sports fans that were like, we're fine. We're fine. I'm like, <laughs> they got, they got a, a draw with a, another hot Toronto team. And again, Toronto, it's just, it's that cursed franchise franchise syndrome. I really do believe it. There are some franchises that just perpetually carry that cloud with them. And I believe the Maple Leafs are one of those teams after so much early success. Now here you are decades later and you just, for whatever reason, you cannot get the goat off of you. And I just think some teams are left with that and they are one of those and they're down three. Oh, I don't see them coming back in this series. All right. So let's take Toronto, Edmonton, Ottawa. Who's the the most cursed of the three? Probably Toronto. I'd say, I mean, mm-hmm. Edmonton, we've seen them have success in the last few years. It's not like they haven't. I think it's Toronto. Define success, though. I mean, we've seen them get deep in. Yeah, but have they won? But have they gotten to the ultimate prize? No, no, but they've gotten deep, and that's deeper than what Toronto can say. That's also not. And like they haven't been like embarrassed in the same way that Toronto is in a round. I mean, they've looked like a completely non-serious hockey team in this in this series, which. Against a team that plays in a state where it's currently 90 degrees outside. They live on May 8th. The Florida Panthers live in Sunrise, Florida. Sunrise. Hockey Town. Hockey Town, USA. This has been Out of Bounds. That's me, O'Brien. I'm John Alba. Anything else you want to add? Nope. Uh, go Hawks. Uh, let's see how this gambling situation turns right, out. Uh, yeah, no, uh, rookie minicamp ahead this week. So keep it locked at me, O'Brien TV. And then maybe the schedule will be released. I'm not sure though. We'll see. We'll check in with you next week right here on out of bounds. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now 